Okay, okay. So, hey guys, welcome to our first podcast. Whoop, whoop. BLS Radio Rebels. It's been a long time coming, for sure. Um, yeah. Should we introduce ourselves, guys? So, our first podcast today yep. will be about the presidential candidates running for us, the, uh, the senior class. So, let's get into that. Let's get into that. <clears throat> so, so running for president, we have Gian Martinez and Nitzva Dimash. Good. How do we feel? How do we feel about that? First impression, you guys? Wait. First impression. Not impressed? Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. About what they're campaigning, though. <clears throat> so... As I was, you know, scrolling through their um, Instagrams and things like that, Nitzva is her stance. She's a minority. She's a BZ, and what she wants to do is she wants to want. She wants everyone's voices to be heard, which is the bare minimum. I feel because is not what we're all supposed to be doing within each grade, within each class. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, so she's talking about the homework policy and culture reemergence, which we kind of talked about that beforehand about how um, we already have culture in the school. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tag Black Caribbean, um, yeah, uh, Asia. Students in action. So I feel like for me with the homework policy, just that whole stance, I get it. And it's admirable to want to push for it. But I just feel like us speaking about the homework policy is really idealistic in the end and just like a nice fantasy because to fix the homework policy at BLS and just the nature and the culture of homework and work would be deconstructing BLS from the ground up. Like Mm. we all know the identity of this school. Like this is the school that literally breaks kids. Like y'all get the least amount of sleep in the region. So it's like to be like, yeah, and we want 30 minutes of homework. It's like it's kind of like what Kim was saying, because it's like, so why would why would Nitz now be the person who's gonna change the wave? Because Miss Garrett has claimed to hear our voices before, but sometimes it's difficult to really feel like you're being heard when a teacher sits in your face on Monday morning, eight o'clock sharp, and assigns two pages of homework. Oh, what's that? Yeah, that's my opinion. I completely agree in the sense that it would be completely kind of revolutionizing the view that BLS, or the way that BLS is perceived, where the school that's very, rigorous and very hard and very difficult but our students are able to endure and persevere and we actually talked about this in my ap us government politics class um where there's you know people who are very traditionalist and then there are very people who are open to change in politics and then my teacher brought up the point that bls is one of those kind of institutions that is so dedicated and so based on tradition and they're not mm-hmm. just going to change that i mean why did we still do declamation tradition right why like, are we still learning latin tradition, tradition. exactly mm-hmm, exactly and, and the like completely like saying oh we now want exactly 30 minutes of homework or 20 minutes or anything like that it's just it's not it's not realistic. It's not, it's not realistic. realistic. It's not, not realistic. realistic at all. No, and, out, and as a teacher, you only have so much time to 
to do yeah. something. But I see where she's coming because I feel like this is something that's been on her mind since she's been at the school and she's like, oh, let, let me see if I can change that. So I see where she's coming from with it. But it's just, will it happen? If you If you think about it though, every single person who ran, even in the preliminaries, their first goal was abolish the homework, you know? Get the homework from 40 minutes a night to 20 minutes, 10 minutes, you know? Everybody's policies were exact carbon copies of each other, which just shows me that I don't want you to be my president because if you're not going to fight for like the bigger issues, then do you really care or do, are you really going to do something in the position you have? I just feel like with homework, it's honestly, it's an individual basis thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I got okay. to pose a question of, at the end of the day, student president or not or whatever, like president of your grade or whatever senior class, um, I don't know, right? Because yes, I do agree with the whole, you know, um, what could be 30 minutes for me is not 30 minutes for Ebony. Ebony could ease through homework way faster than me. And what should be taking 10 minutes could be taking me 25 minutes. Okay, we all know that. But we can't sit here and act like BLS teachers do not force it with the homework because they force it. Every single BLS teacher forces it with the homework. I mean, the exception of you, like they're your sole and only class and then after that you're expected to study up like two units on your own for tests Mm -hmm. that you rarely get any like pre-notification for and while we were still physically in school i knew kids who used to have tests back to back to back back to back to back and i just feel like it's like uh, why is that allowed to happen like why should a kid have to come that isn't even so uh, then it's like, are we even learning or we're we just taking the information and then spitting it all back onto the paper? It's like, because that, that's what I feel like it's going on. That's what I feel like. I mean, that's what BLS prides itself on. And it's like, also, mm-hmm. how much power at the end of the day does the president even have? None at for, all, to like, be honest. For the 10 months you're, uh, how many ever months you're in school and you're in this office, how much time do you have? In- going to take you to reach your goals and then have it play out because you can have your goal and say it happens and then you have to spring it till basically summer for that but then when we come back is it gonna be the same thing is it gonna start over right. yeah period and i think i think that's what gian's like main point of running on mm-hmm. is he's like oh i know so many people mm-hmm. and i'm connected to so many faculty mm-hmm. However, at the same time, Dion, if they if they don't see you honestly as a leader, well, they do, but you're kind of like a class clown in a sense. And honestly, if 500 students, if 500 students have been yelling, have been advocating for less homework, like, what are you going to do, even if you are close to a certain faculty? Like, what are you actually going to do? Because that is sad, like... You're here for either six or four years and you're ready for senior year. You're ready for junior year. You're ready to be an upperclassman. And then COVID comes and then it's like, oh, what are we doing now? It's over. I'd like to go like backtrack for a second just on the whole Gian has predicated his campaign on the relationship with administration. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the point that we were talking about with the homework policy with NIT. It's just why is administration going to listen to you? And it's, we don't mean that in a rude or mean way. It's, ge- it's a genuine question. Why should yeah. they listen to you specifically? Because, I don't know, kind of 
if you are close with admin because you were a bad student and that they try to put you on the right track or whether you're have a good relationship with them because you are a good student and you just get along with them at the end of the day they have to remain unbiased because their administration and they can't favor you they can't do that because it's just it kind of goes like empirical and normative bias or unbiased prejudice or not like they can't do that they can't be biased and be like oh well nick or gian or even like kimberly we can't be they can't grant me everything i want just because i've spent a lot more time with them rather than the average student it just doesn't make any sense because they're supposed to be unbiased and like denisha and i have sat in on a meeting of like students with miss garrett who like are like kind of like friends with miss garrett no miss garrett talk to miss garrett and we we've seen that the relationship you have with a certain individual in the faculty really doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day their job is not to you. Their job is to the person that's, you know, writing their checks. Mm-hmm. Their job is to the person, is to their boss. And so, yes, you may have a close-knit relationship with them, but even though they, they, you, they if you think they're hearing you, they're not really going to do much. In fact, they're literally going to tell you, they're going to give you an alternative solution to a problem you've been trying to address in order to sub- subdue you in a way. Also, I just want to stress even all right so there's that there's the notion that yeah it's like why should it be any different just because it's you it's probably not going to be any different but then an issue arises where there if there is bias shown towards gian that is an issue that's an it's an issue because why this why does gian get what he wants because he's gian when Gian lays out the groundwork, or you know, if he lays out said groundwork, if this does work out, what will become of the senior who succeeds him the next year? Why should you, mm-hmm. most of the faculty, be the reason why change actually gets to happen? Why should it not be because you're actually a motivated leader? So then, what does that say about the faculty and what it's willing to do for its students? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that say? Because if we've had candidates coming in year after year who are trying to say that we need to adhere to policy and it doesn't happen until now class of 2020 gets it because someone is close to the faculty what does that say like do you guys actually want us to you know focus on our mental health Mm -hmm. and be more and be more like focus on our mental health or what is that about so what is that saying for the faculty Mm -hmm. and how it treats its students as a whole not even just for like not even just for its favorites, because if you're close with faculty, I guess, like, you know, there's always some loopholes, especially if you're close with teachers, you know, it's more likely a teacher is going to give you extra time if they know you or like extra, like, like, you know, like uh, late work and stuff, if they know you rather than they did it. Right. So it's, I feel like it's anything like that. But OK, even yeah, even just going away from the homework policy, I think that another big thing that a lot of these candidates kind of built their platform on was inclusivity for mm-hmm. all. And I've noticed, especially like before the the preliminaries, the, especially the white candidates, mm-hmm. they they would always say, oh, I want to uplift the people. I want to uplift like the marginalized groups at BLS. And that's fine. But you should also know that you are an ally and you don't speak for those groups. And this is why one candidate got into a controversy with a certain group at the school 
And I feel like people have to know that there's a thin line between being an ally and trying to overpower. And that being said, if you run your platform on helping the minority in the school, then that's also a problem because that means you're not aware of what the minority groups have already been doing for themselves within the school. So by you saying you're basically going to put them on your back completely shows that you are living in your own bubble and you're not aware of people outside of you. White privilege. Don't look like you. Exactly. When speaking about BLS, just the identity that plays a core part into the identity of BLS, period. And I feel like, you know, I can definitely understand wanting to uplift the voices of marginalized groups, but it is a complicated and tricky issue to try to speak for a group, but not overpower their voice. Because you have to mm-hmm. remember at the end of the day that if you're not part of said marginalized group, then you should not be attempting to speak for them. Hmm. You're giving very much white savior complex. Yes. In that yes. Literally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so moving on from president, we have the vice president. Running up are Beatrix and Mia. So Mia, what she wants to do for your class, she wants to establish an anonymous Google form that you can have direct influence on what is discussed so she wants to have people send in anonymous like stuff to tell miss garrett isn't that what they have on sis with the bias report form oh all right (laughs) and then she wants to have fun events and then she wants to increase the amount of information we learn about different cultures and groups during their history months. Okay, I like that. Okay. We have the shows and then, but specifically within classes, what do we do during Black History That's Month? Cool. Tell me what do we do? We do what? We watch I'm okay. Oh, whoa. That's, Girl. That's not even in class. See, you're doing an assembly. That's just one way that the whole school is getting stuff because certain teachers, they'll do certain like, you're not getting that across all your classes. You're only getting that, like, or not even across all your teachers. You're only getting that with certain teachers. Oh, period. Fun fact, the MLK assembly wasn't even required up until, like, two years ago, three years ago. Oh, wow. Exactly. Also, she wants to make sure we still have assemblies for Human Rights Day. Oh, okay. Don't we? Yeah. threatening to take them away. I like, I like, I like that point of the information we learned. I like that. Um, and then also Beatrix really care. Beatrice Knight is saying that, so she says, my campaign is built on the concept of support. My primary role as your future vice president is to be the right hand woman. Okay. As a mom friend, I am naturally inclined to listen, encourage, and give advice. As a politically, <laughs> as a politically, <laughs> wait, sorry, run that back. As a politically engaged person, I will advocate for us, start the conversations we need to have, and provide resources for the 2020 election. I will be an accomplice to our school's anti-racist initiatives, support our (laughs) class in the college process remotely, prioritize mental health, and celebrate our seat. Okay, this is giving me very much basic, very much... It's just broad. It's just very broad. It's giving me very vague. Yeah. What does prioritize mental health look like? Exactly. We don't know. We can't really get into it. So what are you... No, not at all. I think right now, I'm more... I would be more inclined to... Go for Mia? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say... 
on her point about teachers like having I think if she really wants that to happen they have to be required like you know what I mean because I remember last year in my, in my class my teacher said that a lot some teachers don't like going to like the um the racial sensitivity trainings and they think it's pointless oh. so if that's yeah I so if that's the pointless case, then what are you telling your students that it doesn't matter to know what's going around with your peers because in every class you you have about one to three black ch- black students stop lying you have like less than three um, okay real. i'm trying to be generous no 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 <laughs> I'm trying to be like three max in a lucky class like three max in a lucky <laughs> class. so then it's saying that because your teacher doesn't think that it's necessary to go over black struggle or even the importance of other people's backgrounds that they're they're never gonna matter like no one's ever gonna realize what they actually go through and that's just bad damn ignorance that we're onto the students of the LS because when they go out into the real world what do they know besides the history of themselves I mean, the BLS does enable that type of behavior. They never hold anybody accountable. You know, I'm more likely to get suspended for doing something that's, you know, considered dangerous for a black person than a white kid is for like saying a racial slur at me or writing on their private story, call me a monkey. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, the institution of BLS loves to protect its white students and its white teachers. And then when they're not held accountable, what about, then it just gives other what white about people- the money? Who donate to the school huh? too? Oh my God, guys! Wait, guys, exactly. Guys, that's a, that's a wait, guys, guys. Okay, before we get into that, I want to go back to Celine's point of not thinking racial sensitivity is important because, yeah, right. At the end of the day, this is what I really wish was into. This is what I really wish was beaten more into the anti-racist. Like, I don't know what do they call it? Like the initiative why is that even a thing in no the first okay place? there's that but also mm-hmm. my problem is what's taught right now in bls's don't say the n-word don't say this don't say that your black classmate doesn't have a dad there are other forms of more mm-hmm. subtle and nuanced microaggression that i have witnessed and experienced in the classroom that teachers have a witness that because they think because they're so indifferent to racial sensitivity training, probably most likely goes right over their head. There are so many comments that are said to Black students and behaviors that are perpetuated every single day in that building that is just seen and accepted as normal when it really shouldn't be. Me saying that I got a 100 on my test and you going, really? Why? My progression. or when you're in a group and you say the and you say a valid point and they and they don't say anything to you, but then the kid next to you who's either Asian or white says the exact same point and they clap it up for them and they're like, oh my god, so inset, so insightful. And it's just like it's like you're not smart enough or your words don't matter and everybody just looks over you. Or you're in the school for diversity. Why? Why do I yeah. like? Why can? Why do I have to walk into my, my history class with braids and have the whole class ask me if that's my hair and everyone can. <laughs> Why? Like, that's funny to y'all? But so-and-so hasn't changed her leggings in three years. Wow. But anyway. But anyway. But anyway. I'm ascending. I'm sick of living, bro. No, but it's also just, like, you can't predicate it or, like, build up a class 
on being socially aware and then not be aware of the way that you're teaching kids is like it's yeah. so it's so it's so weird that you know and it's also the social justice based class that have the less um how do I say racial diversity they're Celine mm-hmm. how many kids of how many just kids like that were minorities were in our class last year like maybe less four at most that is yeah, and it was crazy. just terrible. That is terrible. You're going to tell me you're going to base a class that is supposed to be around our history and then not. I'm sorry. Um, one of the and one of the things I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to bring it up here because I feel that this has to be said, and I think that going back to the the actual campaigns of these candidates, the fact is. You can't base your campaign on something as broad as homework policy or as broad as, uh, I don't know, mental health. You can't do that. And it's no hate to them. You just can't because you have to come in as a senior who has a limited amount of time and a limited amount of power. You have to know what you're coming to do and you have to base your fight around that. Now, going back to the racial diversity or lack thereof at BLS, and in these specific classes um one of the things it's just i i always say this to Feline, and it's you can't teach these white kids who are taking this class so that their college app looks better you can't give them the voice in these classes because at the end of the day their ancestors are our oppressors and i don't i don't like it and it's not right and it's certainly doesn't look right to the minority kids that have been oppressed and you're teaching about their oppressions in these classes at the end of the day the white kids always end up speaking the most and they get praised like Celine said and then they leave this classroom and that's it for them for the kids of color especially if I'm favored by the color of my skin because I may be a minority but at the end of the day my skin I have I lack the melanin that my sweet babies in this podcast have, right? So I will not be affected as much by racism. But at the end of the day, these are our lives. We walk out of the classroom and these are our lives. And it's... Can we normalize calling yes, teachers out? please. Miss Miss Normalize Ms. it. No, can we talk about how insane that is? Like, for real? It's the way that we're not even like referencing the book. She's done it, and then nothing has been done. It's just, it's just this culture of BLS that's like, yeah, and then no one does or says anything about it. No one does anything. Where's the action in that? You say we're gonna, you say you're gonna put hold people accountable for their actions, but then when their actions are done, there's nothing. There's no consequences. Where the like literally there's just some teachers at bls that just need to be fired i'm gonna say it and back to kim's point about centering a class around social justice problems and then not doing what you were meant to do if you're not qualified to teach about social justice please do not teach about it going to 10 equity trainings led by white people is does not make you qualified to teach these classes because you're learning from white people who don't know anything about racism. On top of that, if what I'm here, if what I'm thinking about you now is 
correlates to what someone who took your class five years ago is saying, that's a problem because it shows you have not changed in the time between then Mm -hmm. and now. Yep. It's just, I really want to stress that when we say all this, it is not like we're trying to say that as a white individual in America, you are un, you are automatically unknowing of racism and you don't know anything about racism. I know plenty of, I have plenty of white friends who know about racism and recognize their privilege and where they stand in relation to me, who's some, someone who was born automatically at just negative zero. I mean, who told me to be born black and a woman? Already I'm down bad. But, but it's just like, it's very obvious with some of these teachers who make it their classroom identity to be the accepting, um, you know, social justice uh, warriors that they want to be that it's almost I want to bring up like this white savior complex like you say that you know about racism but honestly when you teach it it's just it's very obvious and this is my biggest issue if the students of color have an issue with the way you are teaching a curriculum that directly is like teaching like literally like you're teaching their history and directly affects them every single day then you need to listen yeah because we who else would know better than us and it's in a bls oh oh, um wait i think at bls the teachers who are most like inclusive and accepting are people who don't have to broadcast for example my eighth grade math teacher King. king literally like he literally went to dinner with his Haitian, with his, one of his Haitian students, and he immersed in their culture. He ate their food, and he had a conversation and talked with them. He doesn't go around school broadcasting his many awards for being a social justice warrior. Exactly. He just listens to kids. He's tolerant. We're not asking you to be, you know, freaking Nelson Mandela. <laughs> we're not asking you to be <laughs> Malcolm X. Like we're just asking you to be a human being. And it's, if that's going to your your student of color family Thanksgiving dinner and just listening to them and immersing their culture that's all we're asking for you know what I mean we're not asking you to go above and beyond you know do the bare minimum be be inclusive you know be open to other people's with the way other people live and other people's culture that's all we're asking mm-hmm. it's just all about I think excuse me I feel like there are a lot of teachers who just aren't genuine that's just it because yeah. with that teacher we were just discussing, he's genuinely a good guy. Like even just in terms of race relations. Yes. If I came in, if I came into school, panic attack, 9 p.m. the night before, couldn't do my homework, worried, sick, physically unable to complete my work. And I came into him and I said it. I couldn't do my homework last night. I'm sorry. I just couldn't. I couldn't manage it. Without any further questioning, he would have been like, okay, that's fine. You can hand it in to me when you want. Are you okay? Is everything okay at home? And then there are the teachers where I would be like, ah, yeah, I had a panic attack. Where's your nurse note? Really? People. Wow. Wow. They're... What do you do oh, that was so crazy. Wait, that, but the thing about that is, like, 
you got pictures that take special interest or constantly just have to call out the kids of color and you know bring us aside and say oh your work is so good and just like That's boost so us true. up you know what i mean and kind of yeah. like, they, like do you that, they do that for us to validate their teaching it's, it's like the people are like well i can't it, it's just another version of i can't be racist here's my black friend it, it's essentially a spin off of that where it's like well you guys are my black students and i treat you guys so good so therefore i can't be racist and it and it goes back to what Tolino was saying or i think it was yeah i think it was Pauline. um you're like what we've all been saying where it's like um we should have the right to call out teachers and not first of all not feel afraid because i wasn't speaking this vocally about this one particular class until this summer because i felt in in debt to this teacher and that it shouldn't be that way that's a power white savior power complex um and that's not all right period so, says that she's qualified to be treasurer for the class of 2020. Her dedication to her class and hope to make the senior year as amazing as possible for every student despite the current circumstances. I am also excellent at budgeting and managing my own money, and I feel confident in my knowledge of mathematics and financial skills. With it. So with the suggestions and requests of my peers in mind, I will do my absolute best to make sure we all experience a wonderful senior year without putting our health at risk or emptying our wallets. Well, um, honestly, okay. I mean, that's the job, and she sounds like she has the job down pack. Yeah. And then the I next candidate. Uh, yeah, me too. Because <laughs> her... Her, her little blurb on the ballot was so quick and efficient, and that's all I needed. But something along the lines of, for you, for me, for us, I think. Yes, so it was cute. It, I mean, it was short, simple, to the point. Okay, but the next candidate says, I'm determined to reflect through our budget truly what we, the class of 2021, value the most in terms of pressing needs and change-making in BLS, such as, but not limited to, creating a social justice event, as, as a collaboration between clubs like Black and Tag, Penewer and economic, Economist, with multiple years of successful company experiences. Okay. Um, I am dedicated to using the budget to make sure that, make sure my classmates have the best senior year ever, even despite the challenges of virtual. Ask me at social justice, I don't know. Dude, lost me at that. All this, like, okay, because, bro, I get it. We all know BLS is racist as hell. Like, okay, period. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. I'm going to say it. I don't care. BLS is the history of the school is racist. The racism is pushed very much today. Any alumni of color who went to the school will tell you the school's racist. But there's just something about this whole social justice, social justice everywhere that's like, oh my God, like, just run and not yeah. be racist just be the treasure and not be racist and push like i don't yeah. know like it's like oh and just for the kids of color social justice and it's like okay thank you like i just like i just like how bronte didn't use her social justice as a platform because like every other candidate i think because of what happened over the summer and with the black lives matter movement they know they're gonna gain extra points yeah but like you know and just like something that should be the benefit of it kind of yeah. informative i guess that's what i should say is that 
what Bronte's saying is that she just she just wanted to budget money for whatever events that the senior class creates as a whole. Mm-hmm. Not that like, and then the other candidate is just bringing in stuff that like he's the even like seen. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he's putting like, He's just chatting at this point. Chatting. Dog, as long... I feel like for... Just in roles of... Whoa, sorry. When it comes to being a treasurer, Um, I just feel like as long as you're not classist mm -hmm. or a capitalist... Oh, definitely. Because Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, like, a lot of the times when people are like, oh my god, yeah, and at the end of the year, we all take a trip to the Bahamas. And I'm like, oh, cute. And then you have to pay for your own ticket. And you have to pay yeah. for the hotel trip. And I'm oh, okay. hundreds of dollars. So, and on top of that, while while you're planning on trips, you're also doing college apps, and you're also yeah. like spending money on other things as well, or like your AP test, especially if you're not getting you know like waivers and, and stuff. just so, like, like life in general, you know. Yeah, yeah. You have to think about like, does everybody have the means to afford these things? And if they yeah. don't, what can you do? to make it more accessible affordable yeah yeah because i feel like because you want to be the best senior year for all your students right. but then our half of your students can't even experience that because they're just not because of things that are outside of their control because circumstances yeah. are just beyond that right i hope that virtually we're able to like ask the candidates questions because yes okay a pre-recorded a pre-recorded speech however i feel like a good the good the good part of democracy is that you can ask your candidate to expand more on their ideas because the information I'm getting from Instagram is honestly not enough because nobody's really going in on their ideas just giving a broad maybe one or two points and I would like to ask some questions like these you know what are you going to do for the people who can't pay for certain things how are you going to you know connect with the school or Mr. Canelli or whoever and get like fee waivers or get reduced prices for these kids and this is some of the things we need to think about, but we're not going to be able to ask the questions because of COVID, which I think shouldn't be a problem because you can get people on a virtual meet. And their DMs are always open, as they say. I don't know about these because their thing is... Wait. Also, nobody mentioned this, but like, can we just talk about how some of the candidates, before they even put their points out, were like, DM me ideas. You know, DM me your ideas. <laughs> Yo, if we're going to talk about Instagram, let's talk about the real issue that Pauline and I were talking about, which is a lot of these candidates created their campaign pages and at the end of the day, they don't even follow you on their personal. Oh. <laughs> I had someone point that out to me the other day. It was very... And it's like, you, like, it all, it, and like, on any sense, like, whether it's classism or racism, well, like, what do you mean when you mean, in, like, you can't predicate your freaking campaign around inclusivity, like, inclusivity and then just exclude huge numbers of students. That's just, I don't know. Then don't run. Just sit down. It's just clicky, you know? Mm. Yeah, you just want our vote, and that's why we who said that? And our next position is secretary. Okay, so Jakari <laughs> Peter, he is he's one of the candidates running. And he says that I understand that in a school like ours, it is easy to feel unheard and ignored, especially during these difficult and isolating times. But everyone deserves the opportunity to have their voice heard. As secretary, I will serve as a voice for the class of 2021. 
making sure that all of your concerns and ideas are brought to the discussion table. My focus will be on working towards a more inclusive decision-making process that represents the entire class of 2021, while also promoting transparent body and the administration. Okay. Okay, I'll read this. That was Jakari. I'll read Mandy's. And the Mandy's son says, through my experience as a former secretary of BLS Asia and a youth leader volunteer in various community organizations, I have not only developed the basic skills necessary in fulfilling my duties as secretary, but I have the creativity, problem solving, and teamwork to implement solutions and plans. Examples, senior class mural, appreciation jars, and senior class committees. My goal is to avoid exhausting Zoom events and false promises because without them, we can create meaningful relationships and purposeful change. If elected secretary, I will dedicate my time and effort to making our senior year meaningful and memorable so that by our five-year reunion or even our 25-year reunion, we'll sit back and remember our time together. I'll just say I'm putting it out there because this isn't a real, like, real-world presidential campaign, and so far I can, therefore, I can disclose. Mandy, why didn't you run for president? Yes, <laughs> please. Um, okay, so, um, before we even hit this, because I think we're going to do it after, well, at least I hope we're going to hit this after we talk about candidates, but I... It, the the uh, at the end of the day, this whole senior class officers is a popularity contest. Um, but I just one of the things that I was thinking about, and I told Celine this because I had thought of running, but I didn't because you know I'm not popular enough. Anyways, um, but I one of the things that I would have considered doing had I run was um, abolishing the senior class officer. Um, just concept in general because it, it, it's like you can't talk about like I said you can't talk about inclusivity and then not include people and I think committees are a better way to go so that you have more people that are involved more and more people willing to listen and so oh, obviously I love Mandy's policies I think that and also just even on something that's not even policy related exhausting Zoom events and you can't say that you're going to try to build a fun senior year and try to plan these things when we're literally living in a pandemic. And otherwise, these things have to move on Zoom. We are already on Zoom for so many hours doing homework and in class, and you just can't make those kinds of promises. And if you go through with them, I will not be showing up. That's a fact. <laughs> I just, I won't. Um, but it's also like, it's just you that I love Mandy. Uh, I don't. I don't personally know her, but I love her policies, and she should have run for president because she would have gotten. Thank you for listening to our first podcast. If you like what we said, and even if you didn't like what we said, go follow us on Instagram at BLS Radio Rebels. And if you want to sign up, there's a link in the bio.